Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. It's great to have you on here because Mel, our co-host, is with us and it's Mother's Day weekend. Come on, Mel. What do you think? It's a good weekend for us moms. It is a great weekend for you moms. You get like (laughs) honored, this, this honor that you should have had all year long. We finally set a day aside to say thank you for what you do, as if that's going to fully redeem everything that you guys do. Man. Oh, man. There's, but there's nothing like breakfast in bed, some fresh <laughs> flowers, and some homemade cards from my babies. Okay. So I just wrote all of that down as thank you for giving me those pointers. Breakfast in bed, fresh and flowers, <laughs> yes. breakfast. In, okay, cool. Appreciate that. Thanks for the pointers. Sure, sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, um, this is going to be special. Try- Charlie is so sweet because um, ev- after every year, like the Mother's Day, after I have a baby, he yeah. will, for Mother's Day, get me some stud earrings with their birthstone. And I love it because I have, you know, one for all of my kids. But this wow. year, you know, I'm just so thankful that I haven't been pregnant and just had a baby. And so it's, I'm actually great to just get the flowers and the homemade cards. Uh, um, that's awesome. Well, yeah. I, have, I just got another idea because I don't know if you're listening out there. I don't know if you heard the news, but Mel, you know. We're pregnant. What? So Christy. Best news ever. That's right. So we're celebrating this Mother's Day with a little baby inside of her. And um, she, by the time Mother's Day hits, I don't know, she's maybe 15 weeks along, something like that. Oh, what an exciting season for your family. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And and, um, yeah, we're just really pumped about that. It's been... um, it's been really special, a very redemptive thing too, um, to just see what God's doing to bring this family together. I think it's going to be so good for our family. I think it's going to be really good for Weston and Natalia, who are both firstborns, mm-hmm. who believe the world revolves around them. And now they're <laughs> going to have a little dose of reality. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, so. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Mel, yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about Mother's before we jump into this interview, because we have a great interview today. Let's Beth Marshall. I can't wait. Beth Marshall is an incredible, incredible woman. She's got a great story about her mom and grief and loss, but she comes at it from such, such a refreshing approach because she's an Enneagram 7. And I can't wait for you to hear this interview. But first, I want to talk about moms and what we value in our moms and what we appreciate in them because... Mel, I believe that moms are quite possibly the most underappreciated role, or one could say job, there is in this world. In fact, read a Forbes magazine article just a few weeks ago about the top 10 most stressful jobs. Top 10 most stressful jobs. And you'll never believe what hit number one on the Forbes magazine top 10 most stressful jobs. And you're talking about, this is a list that included like college, you know, football, like division one college football coach, which high, high stress situation. Uh, The president of the United States, like all of these major- Air traffic controller. Probably air traffic controller, CEOs of companies. And yet none of those were number, well, by the way, pastor was on there as well. Okay. But it was also not I, number one. What do you think number one was, Mel? 
I mean, context clues are pointing me into the direction <laughs> of motherhood and my own personal thought life. You know, <laughs> being a mom is so Your stressful. Your own experience tells you that <laughs> you are dead right. And again, this is not from some kind of like mom blog. This was not opinion or editorial. This was a Forbes magazine article that said the number one most stressful job was a stay-at-home mom. And and they lumped in the, you know, stay-at-home parent. So there are definitely stay-at-home dads out there. You guys are warriors. We appreciate you as well. But for the context of this weekend, Mother's Day, we want to just celebrate you moms. Yeah, Isn't that absolutely. incredible? Tell, yeah. Mel, tell me a little bit about your mom. What do you appreciate about her? Okay. Well, Debbie Daly is great. I'll just go ahead. Debbie She's a saint. Daly. Debbie Daly's a saint. <laughs> she is. is a saint. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. <laughs> Anybody will agree with that. Um, but some of the things that I most appreciate um, about her is just she's overflowing with kindness at all times. Mm. And she just radiates joy. She's so fun and very, very thoughtful. Um, she loves to be a gift giver. And so she's always looking for things that she thinks that person might really like and enjoy. Um, she's generous with her time and resources Um there, she probably hasn't met a stranger in her life. She's just, you know, anybody she meets is her best friend. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's very sacrificial. And I think probably one of my, the things that I've learned most from my mom is, um, just resilience and perseverance. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is when I was in third grade, she got diagnosed with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. And so she has, um, for the past 25 plus years, um, had chronic pain and, um, wow. you know, she is just not one to complain. She's not one to put attention on herself or have self pity. Um, she, um, she just fully rests in God's goodness and his sovereignty. And she has so much faith and wisdom that she shared with me through the years. And, um, I just have to say this, Davey, last week, um, Charlie and I went to Dallas to see um, yeah. Hamilton with my brother oh, and man. Um, my mom and my dad, but my mom came up first, um, watched my kids for three days. And wow. in order to do that, I mean, you know, watching kids, especially it's just hard work. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'll um, wear you out, man. But if you have a chronic illness, it's even harder. And so she rested for about a week prior so that she could really give her grandkids oh, wow. everything she's got. And of course, she loves them so well that I'm pretty sure that my kids want to go live with her. Like my oldest was like, don't leave. <laughs> I'm like, do you, is it just because you really, really love her or has she been spoiling yeah, you? Yeah, I was like, going to say, maybe it was the candy that she gave you every day or... <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. What about you? Your mom sounds like an absolute, again, like a saint. She sounds like a gem. Holy cow. She is. That's amazing. Well, my mom, Brenda, she is wonderful. Incredible woman. Um, I definitely would qualify myself as a mama's boy for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I love my dad as well, you know, but there's something special about uh, the relationship between uh, a mom and her son, especially I think a firstborn son. I feel like that growing up, she was definitely someone I could confide in in just about everything. So if I was, you know, having trouble with something in school or relationship or something like that, I felt like I could confide in her. She felt like a safe place to confide. But one mm -hmm. of the things I loved about my mom the most is that she brought out the most in us. She really brought out the best in us. She had a very high standard um, of, I guess you could call it excellence. She modeled for us extremely, uh, she, she modeled for us hard work. Uh, 
this really wow. good work ethic. She was always a, a working mom. My dad's a pastor, so he has been that ever since uh, I was born. You know, so growing up, we we lived in a ministry home, and my mom understood the balance perfectly between, you know, working and having kind of a an I- identity of her own or a persona of her own or a contribution of her own based on the the skiffs the skiffs the gifts and the skill sets that God has given her but also coming alongside my dad and supporting him in the ministry and you know a pastor's wife is a difficult role um, but my mom throughout that entire time she also basically uh, held down a career as a teacher now hmm. for probably the first seven years of my life or so. She was a teacher of just about any age group that you can imagine, um, you know, kindergarten, third grade, um, and, and really did a great job with that. In fact, she pressed into us this, this like academia and learning and a love for knowledge and a love for reading so much so that when I started kindergarten, Mm -hmm. I always wanted her to assign me more homework. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that speaks more of my nerddom or her great... Or spoken <laughs> like a true firstborn. Or spoken like, yeah, come on, let me excel, let me achieve. Would you pat me yeah. on the back? You know, that kind of a thing. But it's it's because she fostered that. She like nurtured that desire to learn and desire to work hard. And then for 10 years, from the time I was eight till about 18, she was the administrator of a daycare. that um, our church put on. So she was always in these like leadership roles and working really hard. And everywhere I saw her leading, she brought the most out in people. So she brought the most out in her Mm. students. She brought the most out in the people that she led. She brought the most out in in myself and my brother. I feel like she brought the most, she still brings the most out in my dad. And there's just something special about how she like undergirds, she becomes kind of the lift underneath you. And I feel like oftentimes, you know, as uh, ladies, wives, spouses, moms, you can be the lid over over your family by how you approach you know your family and how you um, uh, how you interact with them or the culture that you set or you can be a lift behind them. you know that's really anything in le- leadership. you can be the lid um, or you can lift them. you can really undergird and come up underneath them and really mm. speak the best of them and stir them on and um, sp- really you know, spur them on and, and stir them up and encourage them. And that's what she always did for us. She always encouraged. And so we grew up with this value of saying, you know what, we can't, like if we just put hard work in it and trust God with the results, we can pretty much do anything that we set our mind to. And so I just feel like I learned a lot of grit and determination and a, and a high value and goal setting and going after things from her. Um, and, and yet at the same time, Mel, you know, there, there's a lot of parents that really instill that kind of high achievement. Because at the same time, we did not feel like, at least I didn't, I can't necessarily speak for my brother, but I would, I would probably um, infer that he feels the same way. We didn't feel like that, that, um, that that superseded her love for us mm-hmm. and her investment in us. So she was always there at our at our sporting events. She was always there at our you know our games or whatever kind of extracurricular activities we were doing. She was our biggest cheerleader. It didn't matter if we failed. She was still like, "Hey, I'm proud of you." Cheering us on, you know, spurring us on. And so I just so appreciate my mom's um, tenacity in really investing in us, the seeds that she planted in us, I feel like are germinating and growing and and reaping a massive harvest in my life 
right now. And so I just wow, speak baby. some hope into mm-hmm. some, some moms in there. You might be frustrated. You might be sitting in the stage of life that we're in where you got preschoolers or you got toddlers and you're going, what in the world am I doing? And you're pulling your hair out. I'm telling you, you know, right before we started this recording, Christy's up there reading to our kids in the bedroom before she puts them down for a nap. And, and you might be thinking, what is this doing? What is this doing? Is this really adding any value? And I'm telling you, it is planting yeah. seeds that are going to germinate and grow and produce a harvest that you, um, you would never imagine. And so keep investing, keep sacrificing, keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing, moms, because I'm, you, are, you are setting an unbelievable foundation for this next generation. Absolutely. Wow, Davey. Well, thank you for sharing about your mom. She sounds so, so lovely. Um, oh, hopefully Brenda. I can meet her. She's a podcast her. listener. Is your mom a podcast listener, Mel? She is. Yep. Yes. She absolutely is. Yep. Oh, Still my biggest man. cheerleader. That's so awesome. That's um, so awesome. And if you are not a subscriber on our email list, you can go to nothingiswasted.com. Davey is actually giving away his ebook. And even if you are currently a subscriber, it's That's probably right. in your email right now. That's right. So you're going to want to go check that out. Yeah, this is brand new. Uh, we are emailing out the ebook Thriving in Trial to all of our subscribers right now. So if you're a subscriber and you're like, hey, I thought I subscribed, but you didn't get the email, you might want to check that junk folder. You might <laughs> want to check that spam folder and go and mark it as not spam because that ebook thriving and trial will be in your inbox and if you're not a subscriber go subscribe to our email list nothingiswasted.com because by doing so you will receive that ebook for free for free and so um yeah we need you guys on this like yesterday yeah like yesterday because you're this is this is i mean this was mel this ebook we talked about it last year around this time but this was basically me right sitting down and going what are the practical steps to helping someone thrive through uh, the valley of the shadow of death. And I really want you to have this um, as a tool for you as if you're walking through some kind of trial. So go subscribe. Yeah, come to think about it, I think I need to go subscribe and I need to get that book and read it. Yeah, <laughs> so you need to tell me what you think about list. it. Yeah, that'd be great, Mel. Um, and if you have not uh, gone to iTunes and given us um, uh, a review and rated us, we would be so appreciative if you did that. And you can also... Follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. We have lots of good stuff over there. Um, oh, we yeah. have um, personal updates. We have book giveaways. Um, we have quotes from podcasts um, that we've done. So you, you're going to want to check that out. Yeah, like behind the scenes, like you're going to get stuff that you can't get anywhere else right there at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. In fact, you'll hear about this in the interview that we're about to jump into. Beth Marshall has an incredible book called Grief Survivor, and you guys are going to be giving away some copies of that on Instagram. So make sure you go follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries on Instagram so you can get a copy of this book, Grief Survivor. All right, all right. Well, let's have a listen to Beth now. Beth, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Davey. We're happy to have you guys down in South Carolina. Oh, man, it's beautiful. Other than the pollen settling everywhere, including in all of our orifices, right? I am so <laughs> sorry. Knows everything. It's you going everywhere. The most beautiful week, but we're all covered in yellow. I'm uh, so sorry. Well, what the listener doesn't know is that Christine and Natalia were just in here, and Natalia was going to give me a hug, but she was like, Daddy, I don't want you to catch my allergies. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> it's so great. So but good. it's beautiful here. 
Yeah, it is. Warm weather's awesome. It is. And you guys came from some pretty cold weather. We did. It's um, a little bit schizophrenic in the Midwest yeah. in April. March and April is a really tough time to be there because you'll have some days that are 70 degrees and you're like, oh, here we are. We're about to go into spring. And the next day it's snowing. And you're like, come on. Well, What's welcome back to the South. That's right. This is like family. Yeah. This is home for us. We had a great time with you guys on Monday night. At, oh, uh, my goodness. Davey showed up at our sisterhood event <laughs> at New Spring Church uh, with Christy on the stage, and it was so much oh, fun. Oh, man, it was a blast. And uh, Christy actually shared some of her story for the very first time publicly. She did. You got a great woman there. How'd you get her to marry you, Daddy? I have no idea. My God's miracles grace. still happen. <laughs> That's to, what I want you to it know. It is true. Yeah. I had to chase her down quite a bit. Right. Uh, as you heard at Sisterhood. It was oh, gosh. It was so great. But man, we're just honored to have you on the, the podcast and honored to talk about this. You've got so many years of experience in working with people who are walking through grief. You've got some stories of grief yourself. And I'm just excited for our listeners to to get in some of this insight from Beth Marshall. And you're just a really fun person. Maybe the thing I have to remind people when we talk about grief in a setting like this is that we might laugh a little bit. Yeah. And the one thing I've learned over these years is that it really is okay to cry, yeah. but it's also okay to laugh. That's right. And I know sometimes after you lose someone or after a tragedy, you feel like, oh my goodness, the first time you laugh, you feel like you're doing something wrong. Mm. But what I want you, and you already know, and your listeners to know that, yes, we will laugh again. That's right. And that there really is joy-filled life again, yep. even after loss that you can't imagine. And I think that's so important to remind people to have permission and not to feel guilty. On the day that you wake up, no matter where you are in your grief process, if you wake up and you, f and you feel happy or joyful... That's okay. That's not Absolutely. a bad thing. You don't need to feel guilty. In for fact, that. it's wonderful. It is. It's a great to me. I remember after losing my mom, I didn't realize that there would be glimmers of hope again. Yeah. But some days you need to look for them. That's right. You have to be on the watch out for them. That's right. And when you're in beautiful South Carolina in the springtime, it really helps to just yeah. bring that warmth into your spirit again. Yeah, we it felt it as we were driving down here. So I want to talk a little yeah. bit about. Um, you know, what are you doing? What's your experience? What's your background? What's, what's Beth Marshall? Kind of bring us up to speed a little bit to this point. You've spent several years in the airline industry. You spent years working in, um, in working with folks who were walking through some difficulty and hardship. Talk to us yeah. about that a little bit. Well, um, my career started actually as a, with Delta Airlines. Okay. I lived in uh, Atlanta, was a teacher for about two years. And uh, one morning came back from lunch and it was 11 o'clock and I looked at the clock and thought, who are these children and why are they still here? Um, <laughs> there were 30 of them staring at me wanting to learn how to uh, read. That's and awesome. I know you guys homeschool, so it's, it's intense. Oh yeah, it is intense. That's it's for a sure. thing. But it was around that time I realized I'm not sure if teaching is going to be the forever career. Yeah. And so in Atlanta, the, there are a few options in that day. There was the, the Braves. You could also mm -hmm. play for the Braves, work for Coca-Cola or Delta Airlines. Okay. And so applied for Delta Airlines and got a job as a... Some people call it flight attendant. I called it sky goddess okay. because that's what I felt like I was, of right? Of course, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But did that little gig. I thought I would try it for a couple of years, see how it went. Went to Boston, of course, to meet a Harvard man, and I meet this this person from South Carolina. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait and, a minute. Paul Marshall right? is, he's not a Harvard man, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. But he was also working for Delta. So okay. we met up there in Boston wow. and the rest was history. Three wow. weeks in to this new job we met. Um, so that was a really super fun career. Yeah. Loved it. Absolutely. And about 25 quick years later, 9-11 um, happened. 
things changed. All of a sudden, the job I had loved forever was yeah. kind of different. Yeah. Uh, all the security. I don't know. You you probably don't remember before security. I remember a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Before you had to do the whole body mm-hmm. search and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Why even wear clothes through security I'm anymore? I'm telling you, right? Right? They want you to take <laughs> just about everything off. Anyways. It is so rude. I don't even understand it. But um, uh. it was about a little bit after that. Um, I had been doing some serving a little bit with New Spring Church yeah. in the care area. And I was asked to come on and to serve there time and did that for several years. Mm. Then I'll tell you a little more of the story about the grief books and all that. But um, that um, ended when it was time to release my first book, which mm. was called Grief Survivor okay. and uh, went full time oh, wow. doing that, doing some speaking and helping yep. people. Yeah. But Davey, if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be doing anything related to grief, I would mm. have thought you were crazy. Oh, yeah. Because uh, losing people was the scariest thing in my whole life. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I think that's the case for many of us who find ourselves in this type of uh, work when we're helping people who are walking through tremendous pain. You don't set out in kindergarten and going, I want to help people uh, who are walking through tremendous pain. Now, you might feel like you want to be a firefighter or you want to, you know, first responder to something, someone who is, has a medical emergency, but this idea of emotional pain or spiritual pain or healing, but typically it comes out of some of our own journeys. And Welcome to your world. That's right. <laughs> right. And from what I understand, your world as well. What yeah. what has kind of been the catalyst for uh, this work that you've been doing in, in the realm of grief? Yeah. Well, the original catalyst was, um, it's been almost 20 years now, wow. which is hard to imagine, but it was a sudden phone call at 10 at night. We were minding our own business, getting ready for bed, and it was the sudden death of my mom. No oh, wow. warning whatsoever. She was a newlywed, Davey. Wow. Nine months Oh, married man. this sweet uh, fella. We, his name was Herb. We called him Herbie the Love Bug <laughs> because yeah. he loved being a newlywed and yeah. he would tell us all about it. Oh. More details than we ever really wanted, you know. <laughs> um, so we just figured oh. they would be happily ever after. Yeah. And so nine months into that sweet new marriage, we get this call and she was gone. Oh, man. And I'm telling you what, Davey, took the wind out of my sails. Mm. I don't know what your growing up was like, but children in our culture were not allowed to be part of the process. Mm. We would, if we got, there was a tragedy, the kids would jump on the trampoline, would just not even be included. Because of that, when it actually happened, I felt like I had absolutely no skills. Oh, wow. Wow. You ever been there where you feel like there's a hundred 200,000 pound elephant standing on your chest where it's physical pain, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what started my journey of what, okay, what now? Yeah. Wow. So as you were beginning to ask that question, what now, and you're beginning to dive into grief yourself, what are some of the things that you began to find help to, I guess, alleviate some of that that pressure that you were, the physical pain that you were feeling as a result of this emotional pain, how did you, uh, how did that journey go for you? What was the next? Well, it really went pretty terrible in the beginning because I didn't know what to do, but I did what I had always done as far as going to spend time with the Lord and just journaling, writing, and that seemed to be the one place I could get some of the pain out from my Mm. heart onto paper. So you were already a journaler before this, and you kind of... uh, I love love journals, though. What I love about them is it's 
totally unfiltered. As you probably already know, I don't have a much of a filter. <laughs> I think it's kind of gotten worn out. That's why I love getting you and your husband in the same room because neither one oh. of you guys have oh, a filter. Oh, he has no filter <laughs> at all. But what I oh. love about writing through the hard times, you can write whatever you want. Yeah, that's it. Nobody's correcting the spelling. You can be angry. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I saw, I'd always wondered, can you really question God or mm. be angry at Him? And I was not mad at Him, but I was wondering yeah. why this, why now? Yeah. Um, things were so good and so happy. And so I loved that place I could just go. And it was a place I could just pour out in my heart. Right. Um, in the early days, it was a lot of scribbling, yeah. a lot of angry writing. Have you ever written angry where you can't really yeah, read you it? Can't, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I could see that my writing was getting a little more gentle. Mm. Uh, I was feeling a little bit more healing, but there was one particular day that was so special. All the kids were at school and I thought, I just, I don't want to forget about her. I think that's one of the biggest fears. Oh yeah. When we lose somebody close, what if I forget that infectious laugh? Yeah. Those sparkling blue eyes and all of those things about my mom. I got to tell you about BZ. That's what we called her. You called your mom BZ. Oh my gosh. She was the coolest (laughs) person. She was hilarious. But um, I started writing those BZ stories and just spilling them out. And it was so cool because I had about two hours Mm. and I just wrote and wrote and wrote. I think both my legs went to sleep. I don't think I've ever (laughs) even moved. And it was so cool, Davey. By the end of it, I had just written, I thought, I'm going to write everything I can remember Mm -hmm. about being five years old, 10 years old. You know, we had a big house full of kids, five kids. Um, It was the thing, it was not the most calm place, the most quiet place. When the Orkin man came to spray the house, she would send him out to spray the station wagon. That was our house. (laughs) That's gross, right? I mean, that is not normal. (laughs) Uh. But it was such a fun place. And I wanted to record those things. I wanted to write it. And what was really amazing is by the end of this time, by the end of that two hours, I was giggling again. I was laughing again. And I thought, what a gift that this person was my mom. Yeah. Um, I hope half of that coolness and funness goes with me and with my kids. Mm. She had this attitude, Davy, about just no problem. Mm. Everything's going to work out okay. And, you know, some of that we blame on our faith. We think, okay, because we know it's all going to work yeah, out right. eventually. Right. But right now, in the meantime, sometimes it doesn't feel doesn't that feel way. Like, yeah. She would keep the grandkids. This was so funny. She had Camp Busy every summer. <laughs> they would make t-shirts, uh, you know, make slime, do all the things, go swimming, have so much fun. But um, I just, I wanted to be like that. Yeah. I wanted to remember those things and do those things. But so writing all that down seemed to be kind of maybe even a first step of healing for mm. me. Wow. I love the idea of this journaling because one of the things that was profound for me to read after Amanda passed away was the journals of C.S. Lewis, you know, the book um, uh, Grief Observed. Oh, yeah. And it basically starts out with C.S. Lewis kind of in that that angry scribble. Oh, yeah, in that place. And then you see exactly what you just described. I hadn't put words to it until you just described this, but that angry scribble began to get a little bit more gentler, and he began to gain some understanding to a degree. Obviously, there's so much that we're not going to understand about the, the, the reasons why things happen, but he began to see some purpose in, um, in his pain. And, and you could, you could see the journey throughout that book. You could see the journey of him writing these journals. What I understand about that particular book is that he didn't even publish it. It wasn't published until later after he passed away that maybe a, 
a nephew or something like that oh, published a that. grief observed because it was such a raw, real transcript of all of his thoughts and feelings. And what you're saying is that journaling will really help us as we're walking through that that time of grief. Why, why do you think it is that this is such a, a first step and, and really important first step for us when it comes to our grief? You know, some people are really good at going and finding a counselor, yeah. surrounding, like we just talked about, uh, someone who had lost a child, um, surrounding yourself with people who understand. My first instinct was to just get by myself, mm. which I do not recommend. You know, I know we need that time of solitude, time to just process, but we also need to let somebody in. Yeah. And so I think the advantage of it was it was getting some of that deep, deep pain that felt physical right. out onto paper and something beautiful that I saw, because I'd love to go back and read, reread through journals. Yeah. And you can, because you're maybe on a day when you feel like I haven't made any progress. Right. I'm still where I was six months ago still cry at the grocery store when you see Cheerios or whatever that thing which is. Which is normal, that which is exactly, very typical. Yep. That they're going to forever, mm. even, I mean, literally, it's been 19 years since I lost my mom. This song she always loved for me to play on the piano, which I was a terrible piano player. Yeah. I flunked out of lessons <laughs> twice, okay? Um, was, you might remember this. It was Simon and Garfunkel, 59th Street Bridge song, okay. <laughs> a.k.a. Feeling Groovy. Yeah, okay? okay, This song from the 1960s was something that was super close to her heart. Mm. So I'm in a store, and this song comes on, and I'm a bucket of tears 19 mm. years later. Yeah. Which the only reason I'm telling you that is that I hear people say all the time, why do I still cry? Mm. Why is this still so hard? Yep. You know, why am I not better? I, I love the idea that somehow we're going to just check things off a list and we'll be over, right? you know, that right. there's no such thing. You know, I've heard a great qu a quote that closure is for bank accounts, not for love accounts. Oh, wow. That's Dr. That's Robert Niemeyer yeah. said that. And he even gave me permission to quote there it, which go. I love. All right. But how true is that? We wow. Because everything else in life, we start it, we finish it. You yep. at CrossFit, you do your reps, you do what you're supposed right. to do. Check, check, you do all the things. And you think there's the result. Mm -hmm. Grief is not that way. At all. Yeah. And I think I felt like, okay, I'm going to go to Barnes and Noble. I really did look for books. Mm. I thought, okay, what if there's a grief for dummies? I'm going to get that, mm -hmm. read it, and then go through the steps and everything will be fine. Mm. What was so crazy about having never really lost people prior to that yeah. was that I figured, why is this why is this such a big deal? Why are people making such a big deal about losing someone yeah. until it happens until to it you? Until it happens, yeah. And then, you know, until you've had that deep, that person right. that just rips out part of your heart when they're right. gone, you just don't know. Yeah. You don't wow. know what it feels like. Wow. Well, you, you mentioned this idea of permanence. I mean, you didn't state that, but that's what you're talking about is this feeling that wow, am I always going to feel this way? And the thing that I see people, when they get stuck in that vortex of grief, they have this, they adopt the mentality of permanence where they say, this is how I'm going to always feel. This is how I'm going to always feel. And man, I can recall vividly yeah. the, the, one of the moments that I was in that space after Amanda passed away where I was like, I can't handle this. There's no way I can live the rest of my life feeling this way. And I remember a, a pastor friend of mine texted me and, and he spoke this idea of, you know, combating permanence into my spirit where he said, hey, you have no idea what tomorrow is going to hold. You have no idea what five years from now is going to hold. He even said this. He said, you might get run over by a bus next week. 
you don't have to try to figure out how to live the next five years of your life or the next 10 years of your life. You have to figure out how to live today. Oh, Davey, there's so much truth in that. I really think that part of healing is just being open to the fact that it will not always be That's this hard. Right. I have a feeling there are probably people listening to us right now yep. on a treadmill or wherever they are driving to work, and they're thinking, I'm stuck. Yep. I'm going to always feel mm. this degree of pain. It will never get lighter. Mm -hmm. And I know you will attest to this, and so will I. It's just not true. Yep. But it's we right. have to be open to the possibility yeah. that there will be some brighter days. Yeah, that's We so have true. to just believe it. Yep, and I think what you're talking about with journaling, that ability to go back and reflect on, wait a minute, there have been times that are worse than this. I actually am making progress. Right. You know, you, you don't know that until you go back and look at it. One of the things that um, when I when I when I read Psalm twenty three, the very end of it, it says, "Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life." And I remember reading that after Amanda passed away, and I'm going, "Okay." And God was speaking to me about Psalm twenty three through a lot, you know, a lot of the different verses in a very new and fresh way during that time coming out of the and war, war, walking through and working through the valley of the shadow of death but that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life i'm going it doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like goodness and mercy are following me right now and i remember this holy spirit just speaking right into my spirit and 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 said as i read that a year after amanda passed away he said david you don't know that something's following you until you look back Wow. And when you look back, oh, that's smart. Yeah. then you can see that God has been aligning different providential things. He's been providing things for you. He's been bringing relationships to you. He's been doing things to heal you, but you don't know that until you look back. And, and this is the value of journaling here. It allows you, you know, to get all of your feelings out, to get everything out on paper, to have those angry cries at God. and But then later looking back and going, wow, we really have come a long way. No doubt. That's oh. so true. And to even maybe at a year point to write again. Yeah. Keep yeah. writing. That's good. Because, I mean, one thing that really um, helped me a lot is to try to just kind of a little bit of a gratitude journal. Mm. But when someone brings you a meal, when someone calls wow. you, sends that text at the exact moment that wow. you need it, nothing but the Holy Spirit. That's right. It is nothing. Yeah. So for anybody that's on that caregiving side, mm. I would say when the Lord prompts you yeah. to do something for someone who is in a season of grief, do it. That's so good. Just do it. I don't think we're ever going to err on the side of sending too much of a kind note. Mm-hmm calling and checking. I, mean, I know you've noticed this when oh, you'll yeah. call when someone's going through something yep. and they will say, you called at the exact right time. That's right. That's how the Lord works. That's exactly right. That's how he works. But I think through us recording those things on the days when we're in that, the dark valley, mm. on those days to get out those glimmers yep. and to go, oh my gosh, I'm surrounded by this amazing family yeah. and this phenomenal church that didn't let us cook a meal for weeks right. and weeks and weeks. And so, you know, sometimes I think we have to dig deep. You do. You to dig. really find those glimmers. Yes. To look for, I love, look behind you. Yeah. Look behind you because you've got to look back to see where you've come from. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And then while you got to look back, remember that the windshield's much bigger than the rearview mirror. Hallelujah. Aren't we so, so glad about so that? So let's live our lives moving forward. And every once in a while, looking back, going, wow, look how far I've gone. Exactly. And not dwelling in the past, not looking back, going like, well, this if if we could only go back to this, if we could only... Because that only paralyzes us from being able to move forward into the new thing that God is doing in us and to those places where you can feel joy again. Oh, it, I mean, you guys are a, a complete great example of that. Mm. And, you know, had someone seen you years ago when all this happened, not that many yeah. years. Right. 
you and had told you that there's going to be just a really bright chapter coming no. up, it would have been impossible. Well, Beth, it's funny you mentioned that. We're actually sitting in a room right now where just on the other side of the hallway um, was a room that I sat in before we did one of the national um, television interviews. Oh, yeah. And if you had seen me three and a half years ago walking into that room, I was, I was dead. There's no life in me. And I, it was just complete stoicism. I, had, I didn't know how to feel, didn't know what to feel because I was completely in shock. Wow. And now sitting here three and a half years later, it's a totally different ballgame. Oh, man. And I just think that for the person who's there right now, I keep going back to that. But just because I know I was that person, Davey. Yeah. Had you thought that day? Well, you couldn't. No. You were too deep Uh -uh. in it. Right. But if you'd had a glimmer of that in your mind that that this beautiful story was going to be unfolding for you, you, it would have given you a teeny bit of hope. Right. But the Lord doesn't reveal that to us in the beginning. I think... I think sometimes we have to, we just have to go through it. Mm. Have you ever tried to go around the sorrow? <laughs> yeah. Haven't we all? Yep. yep. Gee, let's just uh, watch a Hallmark movie or let's yeah. go on vacation and just forget about it. Yeah. What I've seen is that with grief, we can't really run from it. That's right. It's going to be there when we get home. But just the way I just admire what you guys have done mm. and that you do get counseling. You do take the kids to the graveside yep. and you do those things and you involve them in it. Right. I think that's so healthy. healthy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know it's hard. It's very difficult. And, and in a little bit, I want to talk about this idea of how to involve your kids in it, because I'm sure you've got some insights into that. But I want to first talk about, go back, I want to go back to your mom, because holidays tend to be a very difficult thing for people, especially the immediate holiday. Uh, let's be honest. For several years after Absolutely. after you've lost somebody. Um, but I can imagine, especially losing a mom, Mother's Day, for yeah. you, how is that? Yeah. How, how have you walked through some of those seasons? Well, I'll tell you, the first holidays, my mom's death was three weeks before Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving man. was always with her. What's so interesting yeah. is it seems more often than not, it those kinds of tragedies tend to happen. I don't know why, yeah. but it feels like. Maybe it's not true. Maybe the statistics, if you were to put it up on an objective graph, it's not true at all. Yeah. But it feels like. They happen right before these major holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the family-oriented type holidays. Right. And it seems like you would be able to just go through it. We'll just deal with this empty chair and this gaping hole in your heart. But we had to really dig deep with my brothers and sisters and say, okay, we're going to, you know, BZ was a party. Mm. She was the life of the party. And we're going to keep that party going. We're going to figure it out. Wow. Um, We just decided that year and something I've heard a lot of people do is just change it up, Mm. get a new place, go to a restaurant, just do anything different so that it's not that blaring example of the person. I've got a dear friend here in Anderson, Mm. Dorothy Kamak, lost her dad very tragically. And she and her mom, the first Father's Day, packed the car and went to North Carolina to bed and breakfast. I just feel like whatever you have to do, short of hurting yourself or somebody else is probably okay. Yeah. You know, we I think we're so yeah. hard on ourselves in grief. Yeah. Oh, I should have it all together. I should be able to no. Yeah. No. You should not. But I think with holidays you have to really look ahead to them and make a plan. Yeah. The one thing that um we saw, especially that Christmas, you can't let these things sneak up on you. Oh yeah. Because it's really tough. Right. We've got to realize, okay, we need to do something because the incl- I'm sure your inclination was pull the covers up over your head. Uh, absolutely. Wake yeah. me up in January, right. February, not right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to a degree, we probably do that some. But, you know, with children, 
we've got a if you know they want to decorate yeah. a tree or whatever it is something i saw that first holiday season davy was um, how important it is to respect everybody's way of grieving. Yeah, that's one person good. might want to just go all in and stay busy and keep yeah. keep moving. The next person might want to sit by the fire mm. and just tell stories. But what we did, even for Mother's Day, I think the first one we gathered at my mom's sister's house, and it's you know it still was fun. But when you're missing the guest of honor, it's a little bit right. awkward. But at the same time, why not me celebrating the fact of my children? Mm. And them celebrating me, so we tried to carry on as much as as yeah. possible. But we really tried to make a plan, and not let it just kind of blindside us. Yeah, that's really good. I, you you touched on a little bit this idea of um, involving your kids, and so if they're wanting to do different things at the holidays that are traditional or unconventional, whatever it may be, what are some other ways that um, parents can involve their kids? Because we have a number of listeners who. Uh, a, a parent has lost a spouse and so they're a single mom now or a single dad now and they're trying to figure out how to help their kids navigate this grief and involving them in in processing through this stuff or they've lost a, a grandmother or a grandfather and now they're wrestling through for the very first time this idea of an eternity or heaven I mean I know with Weston he's he still doesn't understand that heaven is a very very real place that's not on this earth you know he's kind of thinking that we're just going to go see Amanda in heaven one day that she's just across, you know, the, yeah. the sea or something. She's across the ocean, and to, uh, but it's somewhere here on earth. And so how do you help children as they're kind of walking through grief? That is such a great question. I think the main thing is just to keep them talking. Mm. Um, when kids feel like they're having to take care of you and, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, right. why is dad sad? Why is he oh, sad wow. right now? And um, I think just to uh, let them talk, let them yeah. write. I've, I know a lot of kids like to just draw what's on their mind, mm. uh, draw pictures of the person they're missing. Something, Davey, that's been just lifesaver to my family is telling those stories. Oh, yeah. Telling the funny stories. What? Oh, I got to tell one. Are your, are your um, listeners easily offended? Uh, I, I hope, hope so. I hope. Okay, good. Yeah. This was one. What I've learned, Beth, is that we can choose to take offense. Oh, And we can so choose right. not to. You, you're exactly but right. But we live in a culture where we are unfortunately choosing to take offense all the time. And we got to so quit. We got to stop that. That is no fun. We need to knock it, it off. It is totally no That's fun. That's right. So it's Christmas. All right, yeah. BC would always roll up. She was the mother, gr- grandmother on the interstate who had the music blaring, the um, you know sparkly sweatshirt, yeah. and the wreath on the front of her Honda. Mm-hmm. So, and the six pack of Diet Coke in the back. <laughs> that was busy. And so she, oh, and the gingerbread dough that's already made. Okay. So that when she gets there, yep. the kids just roll it out and make them. Yep. So um, she was coming and our daughter, Amy, was about, oh, she was little, maybe seven or eight. Yeah. She said, Mama, I want to set up my room for busy. I said, mm. girl, you go. You just grab that drawers all full of lights and stuff. You go for it. The child goes in and finds this entire strand of red lights streams them all over her canopy bed, all over the ceiling. I didn't even know what was going on. So she welcomes Beezy up to her room, turns off all the lights, flips them on. She said, Beezy, guess what? I set up my room for you and turns them on. And Davy, it looked like a brothel. It was hilarious. <laughs> the whole thing was red lights. And it's like, oh, girl. Oh, and Beezy was such a good sport. Yeah. She just completely cracked up laughing over it. But it's like, yeah, red lights are not all what you need. Sometimes you should mix it up a little right, bit. Right. But it was, she just completely cracked up laughing. She thought it was great. <laughs> And so that I think that kind of stuff. That's awesome. But to remember those stories, right? 
Right. And it's like, do you know how much your mom loved mm. you? And she used to like to read this book. I know with your situation, you have to recreate a lot. Yep, we do. And of the memories, but to write that down, Davey. Yeah. Save those things. Well, one thing, and I know you've got a copy of Grief Survivor right. over here, but right. one thing that kids can do too is to get those pictures out, mm. talk about them. Because for Weston, I would think his memories are what you've told him. It's exactly right. Yeah. That he doesn't have real memory probably mm-hmm. of a lot of things, but the pictures you have have of him with his mom right. and how excited she what y'all were when he was in her tummy all right. of that right. um, to create something beautiful in a book mm. for him to have and that's his place what I love so with good. kids when they are feeling sad and don't know how to express it go take your book and go look at it a little bit Wow! why don't you draw on some of the pages Wow! what picture would you want your um, Amanda mom Amanda yeah. to have that you've done yeah what would you want her what would you want her to know about you now that's good that kind of thing. Um, but just to keep those memories fresh, oh, yeah. I think it helps us to know we're not going to forget the person that we love too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like you, you you wonder, you're like, am I, am I going to forget? Am I going to, but those memories are really important. We, um, we have a, a chest that's, da- that's downstairs in our guest bedroom. It's where we put any guest who comes into our home and it's all, the whole guest bedroom is, um, Furniture that Amanda and I used in our master bedroom. So it's it's kind of remnants of her touch. And so everything there, um, in fact, right now we have sitting in the alcove of the sitting area on a coffee table, a copy of Through the Eyes of a Lion, which is Pastor Levi Lesko's book. Oh, yeah. At some point, whenever we release Nothing is Wasted, that'll be the copy that sits right there. But Cannot wait. It is a, it is a room that... that, that that speaks of Amanda. But in that chest is all of the memories that we want to, when Weston's ready, begin to share with him and that we're beginning to help him to understand who his mommy Amanda was. And so we've just tucked things away there. And I love the fact that Christy is hyper-involved in this as well. I love that. She, I'll never forget one night, Weston was having trouble and he was... um, he was crying one night. He's just having a difficulty with his emotions. And he's an, uh, we think he's an Enneagram four. We don't know. He's super, super We have young one general. of those in my house. And I those know fours exactly. are just yeah. all emotion, yeah. right? So he has a, he's having trouble expressing his emotions. And Christy just, uh, he mentioned something about his mommy, Amanda. And so Christy lay, sat down on the bed with him and said, hey, I didn't know your mommy, Amanda. Will you, will you tell me about her? Just tell oh, me precious. about her. Yeah. And of course, he doesn't know how to say much right. other than what we've created for him, the memories that you have, right. but just the fact that she is getting involved in his grief oh, right man. there in that moment was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, it's not a weird jealousy thing. Not at all. I just remember yeah. the first time I met Christy, which was this week, yeah. asking her, what was that like to walk into this family? Mm. And, you know, and everybody adored Amanda and everybody adores Christy. Mm, that's right. Um, she said, I was welcomed like family from yeah. the very first minute. And I think that is so yeah. healthy and wonderful. But Davey, that bedroom, I can picture it right now mm-hmm. with that chest. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, even I've, I think one thing that is great is to give a kid a suitcase oh, yeah. of all these things. And here's this Afghan, this quilt that your mom used to wrap you up in when you were a baby. Yeah. And here is this um, fragrance. I like uh, all of our senses right. like to go back to where we were. This was a piece of jewelry that she loved mm. to wear. But put those things together and that gives him a little bit of control. Right. Weston, go get out your suitcase if you're feeling like you just right. want to be near that. Maybe there could be something where he could draw inside of there yeah. and express himself because that is yeah. tough for kids. It's so good. And what that does, it gives him a little control. It also gives you a little bit con- of control over your grief. And sometimes grief 
can be such an overpowering thing that you don't feel in control. And so especially if you're walking back into a house where if, you know, for me, I lost a spouse. And so all of these, I've got, there's so many things that I've now got to figure out. How do I, what do I keep? What do I give away? What do I, you can't hang on to everything. Right, right. And so if you lose a parent, you're usually rummaging, you and the siblings are rummaging through the house yep. and trying to figure out what do we keep? What do we give away? You've got the whole idea of like, do we sell the house? All that kind of stuff. But if you can, you can, that becomes overwhelming. And if you can take all of that and boil it down into a smaller compartment of something yes. with all of the favorite memories, then now you have just kind of, uh, in some ways, taken captive of your grief, you know? A little control of it's it. Exactly A little right. control. And l- what you just mentioned, all those things where we don't save everything, but yeah. I think the Lord shows us some people want to go ahead and clean all those things out right away. Yeah. And then other people are never ready, and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter the timing. It's all personal, mm-hmm. whatever you want. But, you know, just to even give him a little, again, a little control what would you like to save the most? Mm, that's this was, good. This was a special bowl of hers or whatever. Because one day when he's married, some of these things he'll have in his home. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Well, we just kind of mentioned the Enneagram with talking about Weston and the potential that he's a four. And you, I happen to know, is you are a seven, which is what my lovely wife is as well. So that's why you guys hit it off so well. Oh, yeah. And um, I love sevens because you guys are so adventurous. You're so spontaneous. You just you're, You bring all the fun. You're the life of the party. But one of the things I know about sevens is that you also are motivated by avoiding pain. We love to run from it, Davey. We will find any way possible. You know, and I'm new to the Enneagram world. Uh And for those people my age, um, hey, Ladies, how y'all doing? <laughs> Go ahead and turn the air conditioning we on because I know you're hot. You yeah, how old it's all you good. Your age Doesn't is. matter. But what? Um, yeah, it's a, for people that don't know really what the enneagram is, yeah. it's just a cool way of knowing people's personality types, mm-hmm. so that we can understand ourselves better, but yeah. understand other people and love them better. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's not some creepy, weird thing, but when I started reading about the seven, I thought, oh my gosh, that was my mom, that's my nie- my nephew, that's my brother. I mean, it's this long yeah. line so that when something happens tragically, mm. we um, go and jump on a trampoline or yeah. do something right. ridiculous, and we run from the pain. Yeah. We got some real sad um, medical news several years ago about my brother's wife. Mm. And it was so interesting because I heard the doctor tell all of the things and it was terrifying words. And other people in the room heard the same words, but we all had a different reaction. Um, Those that are more uh, seven-based were, okay, we're going to fight this thing. We got this. We're under control. And I thought, well, first of all, I thought, okay, did we not all just hear that conversation? Mm -hmm. But we immediately jumped to how can we spin this bad news that it's into something that it's going to be okay. Which with grief, um, there's sometimes with sorrow, it's really not okay. It's not going to be okay. It's not okay right now. And we can't really spin it. Mm. And I think something when when we have that personality type and we want to look at the positive, Mm -hmm. we want the best case scenario. But some things, Amanda's death and Mm -hmm. some both parents of mine and several deaths that I've experienced, there's not really a silver lining right now, right. but we might try to duct tape one on there. Right. Um, but I think that makes it a little bit hard. Yeah. It's tough for us to sit in it. Yeah. And we have to make ourselves, because we can think of a million things we would rather do yeah. than look at it. <laughs> you know, we yeah. can stay real busy. Right. We can keep moving. 
you know, you can, whatever it is that distracts you, maybe it's shopping, mm. you know, maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's alcohol. I know it's mm. different for a lot of people, right. but sevens, I think one of the downsides is we, you might tend to go to whatever that thing is yeah. or to several of those things rather than just, whoo, wow, this just happened. Mm. I need to absorb this. I think sevens also have to be really careful to not try to cheer people up. Mm when they're sitting in a really hard place right. to just let them be right. Let listen to their sadness. Yeah. Um, appreciate that they don't have that little silver lining ability that we tend to have yeah. and to just let someone just be sad. I think a lot of times we feel like we have to come up with some words. Have you ever done that? Oh yeah. Where you think, Oh, I can fix this. You know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I can, I can totally fix yeah. this. Well, there's a lot of stuff we just can't fix. Can't. You know, I'm thinking of some words that people love to say when they're trying to make sense out of anything, mm. which like your life, some things don't make sense. just doesn't. There's yep. no explaining it away. But when someone will drop these words, these are my three most unfavorite words. Well, at least. Oh, wow. Well, at least. Um, our dear friend Mandy, who lost yeah. Zach Smith, and a lot of people know Zach's story. He died right. from cancer at age 33. So Mandy is, becomes a single mom. A widow, all mm. in a minute. Mm. Three kids and all of this. And people, the comments. And it's trying to be helpful. Trying to be uh, right. optimistic. Yeah, their motives well, are Well, at good. least you're young. Yeah. You can marry again. Ugh. Which it's is like, the last thing that you want to think about. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, um, but well, at least, or when someone loses a child, well, at least you have other children. Yeah. Well, at le- and it's like anything that begins in those three words is probably not going to end yeah. very well. Sometimes I think when we just try to show up, I think that's what made me want to write books because I love to just hand someone something. When you walk into that situation, um, some, one of my favorite gifts is just a blank journal, that's good, a yeah. pretty journal, right. and just to say, you know what? I know it's way too soon right now, right. but I believe there's going to be a day where you just want to write some of this out, the good stuff, the bad stuff. You yep. know, some of the stuff people remember is not the great stuff. Yeah. A lot of people that are grieving, it's complicated, and it was a sad situation, and maybe it was a relief when they died. You know, not everybody had the experience of complete sadness like we do. But whatever it is, with a blank journal, when you feel like it, if you want to, just write it out. You know, write those good stories. but um, And and write about the impact the person made in your life. Yeah, One of my favorite questions is, what's the one thing you want people to know about Mm -hmm. the person you're missing? And to try to put someone's life or their whole deal in a sentence makes you really think. Yeah, makes you think hard, but I think that's something we can do when someone is grieving deeply. Just show up, not feel like you have to solve it Uh, to fix it. Did you ever have anybody say something inappropriate or um, unhelpful? (laughs) I can't imagine. Yeah, plenty of things. I definitely did experience the. Well, at least you're young. Um, You know, I I definitely experienced the. um, You know, the whole well at least she's in a better place or at least my least favorite. Yeah. And it it does always, it's always preceded by those three words, the well, at least. And I think again, people are well-meaning. They have the right intentions. They're trying to fix the situation, but what is really most powerful is presence. Just being there. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. One of the things that I told some of our community, some of our friends at the time, is I said, hey, guys, like, I really want you just to be here. And here's what I need from you. If, if I'm in a, in a mood one night where I just want to sit by myself in the midst of all of you guys and not talk, I need you to just respect that. Don't yeah. try to cheer me up. But also, 
if I ever, at any point, if I ever bring Amanda up and I want to talk about her, talk with me about her. Right. Don't, don't, don't oh. let it be awkward. Don't let it be just, just walk with me in that, you know? Right. And so, um, I remember that being helpful for the people oh, yeah. that I was able to articulate that, but I think I was only able to articulate that because I had kind of gotten some advice from other people. And so there are some people who are in their grief and they don't know how to articulate that. Right. But for, for me right now to be able to tell you as the listener, Hey, be there for people. And if they want to talk about it, let them talk about it and just listen. And if they don't want to, if it's just, let them, it go. Yep. Yeah. If them just sitting quiet in a room and it feels like awkward silence for multiple hours, that's okay. Right, man. That's okay. And it's hard. We're not it's good at sitting hard. in our silence. Yeah. But I think one thing that I saw was there was a fear of saying the person's name, mm. that it would make things worse. But isn't it music to your ears when anybody brings up Amanda Grace's oh, name? Oh, yeah. Yep. And it's like that she's not forgotten. That she's exactly. Will never be forgotten. That's exactly right. Davey, I remember, I know you remember this with um, Pastor um, Rick Warren. Yeah. And Kay made the discovery that their beloved 27-year-old son, right. Matthew, right. had um, he had taken his own life. Yeah. And it was just such an unbelievably sad time. But I remember hearing um, about their church. They were they had been in a small group mm-hmm. for years. These people coming, being in their home, quietly, just staying. Many of them spent the night yeah. and just stayed because they didn't want them to be alone. Yeah. And that just meant the world to me, Davey, to just hear... They didn't know what they needed. Right. They had no idea what they needed. Right. This was about, I guess, six months, six weeks later when um, Pastor Rick shared on Twitter. And because they've been getting, you know, he, his ministry reaches around the world. Oh, yeah. And right. their life was so good. Everything was just going, moving and shaking. And then right. this happened. And people from all over wanting to do something, mm. wanting to help. And one day, Pastor Rick really articulated it on Twitter. And he said, hey, if you, thank you for all these offers. If you happen to know Matthew or have a story about him mm. or a picture that maybe I've never seen, would you send that to us? Wow. Would you email it to us? Wow. Um, huh. And can you even imagine the these pouring in, going to the mailbox and seeing yeah. a picture that you had never seen before? Mm. And I've even heard of people doing that on social media. Um, Chris Dunnigan served, uh, yep. serves here at New Spring and works in social media. Yep. But one thing he did on, it was Father's Day. And his dad passed away and never got to know his four little children. Oh, wow. And it was really hitting him hard as the kids got older and they knew a little bit like Weston, they knew things that he had told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just had this little one-dimensional view yeah. um, of of his dad. And so he goes on to Facebook and he said, hey, world, whoever, people that have known me my whole life, if you have a Chris Dunnigan story, I mean, a Mike Dunnigan, that's his yeah, dad, right. story, would you share it with us? Wow. Would you post it here? Mm. And by the end of the day, there were, Davey, stories of people that had served in the mission field with his oh, dad. Wow. Because of your dad's influence, I went into full-time ministry. Wow. It was crazy. That's Funny awesome. stories, pictures, you name it. But, you know, sometimes we hate social media when we're going through a rough time and right. we think everyone's life is perfect. Yeah, right. They have no idea. How can they be smiling right now? Yeah. Why are they smiling when the world is completely collapsed? But I think social media can be our friend when we leverage it, when we ask, say, hey, you know what? Thursday is a big anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Would you, um, you know, if you could share some stories, pray That's for great. me. But just to let people know, hey, I'm hurting. Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm trying to smile and act like everything is great. 
But, you know, I'm sure you got that a lot. People figured, oh, he's all healed. He's smiling. He's preaching. Right. No, you're surviving. Right. You were just doing what you could do. But I think just to let people know, hey, this is still intense. Mm. This is still deep. One of my favorite groups is called the American Widow Project. Okay. It is military widows. Some of them are 20 years old. Wow. Who, sometimes I've spoken at some of their events. Yeah. Tough women, amazing women. But one of the things that some of them do is to post an anniversary on their social media Mm. and to see the response from people that served with their hero and to see that coming in and these tributes. And it's just in what would have been a really sad day turns into a really joyful day. Oh, wow. And so you're letting and you're getting new stories in. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, after um, Chris Dunnigan did that, he had brand new things to share with his kids. Man. It's like, you know, I knew this about my dad, but look what these people knew. Right, right. That he really was a superhero. I thought he was, but he totally was. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to helping you to remember that this is not wasted. Completely not wasted. That the person's life was not wasted. No. That they made an impact and, and even some things that you never got to see with your own right. two eyes, but people are sharing that with you. What an incredible see thing. See the impact that they had on other people's lives. That's it. Not just yours is such a big deal. Yeah, that's it. And it's like, no wonder I miss them so much. I know. Right? I know. Wow. So we have a mutual friend in Clayton King. And uh, he, uh, after the death of both of his parents, he he gave you some... So a grief tip, a really good grief tip. What was that? Well, it was Clayton is a good friend of ours, and he yeah. lost his mom and his dad all within about 18 months. Man. And it hit him really, really hard. Yeah. Davey, he's like you. He's a public fi- figure. Mm. Had to just keep on kind of, I mean, you can take about a minute. I think what people give you about 48 hours right. to start um, getting back into life, right. which is so crazy. Don't even get me started on that. But Clayton, and sometimes he would just call us and we'd pray. Mm. And just because someone looks big and tough doesn't mean they're not grieving. Oh, and, man, I know. and I was going to speak at an event for, uh, for people grieving. And I said, Clayton, do you have any like secret weapons, anything that you did after losing your second parent in such a short period of time? He said, yeah, there really was. Hmm. He said, every single day I would carve out some time, maybe 30 or 45 minutes to get all by myself in a, maybe a dark room maybe recliner chair and do whatever it was I needed to do. Maybe it was sleep. Maybe Mm. it was cry, scream, whatever Mm. you wanted to do. Journal, remember, but by being very, um, you know, really being intentional about the grieving thing and to just face it head on for that 45 minutes meant that he could come out of there feeling refreshed. Like I don't have to, I know some of us try to grieve uh, nonstop 24 hours a day and our bodies Mm. can't do it. Mm -hmm. We can't, we weren't made for that. But to really try to set aside some time where this is when I'm going to go do the work. Mm. But he said he was pretty relentless about it. He just said, I'm doing this. And it seemed like one of the things that strengthened him better than anything else. That's great. That's great. Well, it's, you know, getting alone and letting the Lord do his ministry in your heart that you cannot do for yourself. And, you know, I know one of the things that a commonality that we share, many of our listeners share, um, I'm not going to presume that every single one of them do, but I would hope that as you're listening to this, that you're beginning to see the value in the tremendous value. And dare I say, there's no way that you can walk through this without having a close personal relationship with Jesus and having a, a lifeline in God's word. How yeah. important has God's word been for you through Davey, this whole process? Um, ridiculously. Mm. I felt like I had 
known a lot of scripture. There's a difference in knowing a scripture and actually living it yeah. and having it be deep down inside. I think of Psalm 34:18 that said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Yeah. Wow. And that's who we were. That's who we were. But right. that he will rescue us when we're crushed in spirit. Mm. And that is exactly what you were. Yeah. On that morning when you walked in, right. that is what I was to get that phone call that made no sense right. whatsoever, crushed in spirit. But you are living testimony, and so am I, that yeah. he really is that. That's right. He really is there. And I think one thing that I've seen from a lot of the groups I speak to are not uh, religious affiliated or Christ following groups, yeah. and just to let them know the simplicity of, hey, y'all. It was in a time where I was going through a lot of pain, mm. a lot of unforgiveness. It was my parents were getting divorced. Mm. And um, I just, I had, someone had invited me to go through a three-week little Bible study. I thought, shoot, I can do that. Yeah, yeah I'll do that. And I had my, being a number seven, my exit plan all, all <laughs> of course, <laughs> ready, all ready to go. Hey, if this gets too deep, I'm out. Bye. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, literally during that study, I was journaling mm. and reading one scripture a day. And on the third week... I, I thought someone's hearing these prayers mm. and I literally prayed in a chair all by myself, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are, I need you. Wow. I cannot do this by myself. This was my conversion prayer. Wow. I know a lot of people have a little more eloquent ways of coming into the kingdom. <laughs> that was me. It was like, oh. uh, this is not working for me, but that is how I asked the Lord to help me. Yeah. So I would really say if there's that person who's trying to do this without any faith or you maybe you've been hurt by a church. Right. Maybe you think church people are mean because mm. some of them, all people are mean, you know, just because <laughs> right. we're not Jesus. But um, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to figure it out. But just to say in a desperate way, hey, I can't do this anymore. That's right. Jesus, will you come in? And you don't have to know all the right things to do. But over these years, he, he did come in that day. Mm. And he's been in ever since. But without his love, walking me through these times of not just my mom, but a couple of years later, my dad. Yeah. More recently, my brother's wife, Kay, mm. who was another super fun, probably mm. Enneagram 7. I'm not going to go into all that. But <laughs> just... um. Without yeah. that, without knowing that he's right there with us, That's right. I don't know how. I'll tell you how I got started in this whole grief thing, Davey, was yep. 9-11. Mm. Seeing, and I know we watched that video over and over yep. and over, and I think I kept thinking, okay, if we watch it one more time, it's going to end differently. Mm. That plane's not really going to hit that building, and that's not going to happen. But for those days when yeah. we were mesmerized to the TV, it's like, how did this happen? Yeah. How did this happen in our country? But what hurt me more than all the sadness, all of the destruction that happened, was the feeling of grieving without hope. Mm. The people wandering around the yep. Pentagon in Ground Zero trying to find hope, right, trying to right. find the person they loved. But that is when I realized, you know what, this journaling thing that I've done, what if I could make this into a that's format right. that could help somebody else? And that's literally how I started that's all this so great. grief book thing. Because Davey, I was not setting out to do this, I promise. <laughs> but he's, the Lord has used it. Yep. He's yep. using it in a tremendous way. And I have right in front of me, Grief Survivor, the 28 Steps Toward Hope and Healing. And talk to me a little bit about this book. This is yeah. a, a really cool tool. Yeah. For this, what? well, it's really a, just a journal format, and it's got, and it's not as though I don't want to fool anybody to think, okay, check these twenty thing, twenty eight things off, and you're done, because right. that is not 
anyone who's ever experienced this, that's not what it is. It's practical things you can do every day. Mm. One of them coming from the airline background is put on your own oxygen mask before you put on to help someone else. You know, there's no way we can help someone else when we are struggling so deeply. But you've got to take care of yourself first. Mm. And it's not selfish to take a nap to do the things what like Clayton did. Yep. Um, that it's important to do those things. Yeah. But um, you know, who identify who your lifelines are. Mm-hmm. Even if you have one person that just they might not have been the best the closest friend, but I call them grief friends. Mm. Someone that you just meet through a time of sorrow. Yep. And they walk with you. Yeah. I think that person can be maybe more valuable than someone with yeah. a PhD in counseling if they're, they're there for you. That person you can call. And I think what I've realized is that if you don't have that person or yeah. that connection, you can ask the Lord and just send me somebody, send me a group. Wow. Send me Grief Share or the Compassionate Friends for mm-hmm. people that are grieving the loss of a child, yeah. that sort of thing. But um, I think we were never intended to go through these things by ourselves. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's when we get into trouble. There's also some real positive things about, um, you know, what's the funniest story I can remember? <laughs> and because that's how I kind of got started in yeah. this. Mm-hmm. But write those things down. Yeah. And it's, I tried to leave it. It's in a way of hope so that um, for that person that feels like I'm just stuck, I don't know where to go. Yeah. It's been five years and I'm not able to do anything. But I've, I've heard people that have had breakthroughs mm. through just going through it. That's great. And it's not uh, a lot of psychobabble. It's just straightforward. That's great, yep. You know, try this. What is one kind thing you can do for yourself today? Yeah, that's so good. Uh, lower your expectations. Mm. You are not Superman, even though you do look like Superman. <laughs> just if anybody's seeing Davey, he looks like Superman, oh, but I'm geez. telling you, you know, to realize we don't have to be all things to all people. We're that's just right. surviving right now. Yeah, that's so good. And so that's kind of the format well, of the it, book. It's a tremendous tool for people. It's an incredible, uh, I love the format of it, of just prompting people to with practical things as well as here's some space to journal. Here's some space to just kind of uh, flesh this out a little bit. So that's Grief Survivor, 28 Steps Toward Hope and Healing by Beth Marshall. But oh, also right. you have this, this is so cool. You just shared with this with <laughs> oh, me today. God. It's Overcoming the Loss of a Pet. Okay, now for my friends that are listening that have the fur babies, and I know there are a lot yes. that our friend Sherry Cooling, Sherry, I know you're uh-huh. listening, but um, <laughs> who pick up squirrels off the road and take them home. Come on now, don't act like you don't. Uh. But um, we realized that there are people whose babies are their fur babies. That's so funny. And that when they lose a fur baby, I mean, we have friends that live in Louisiana and they have a, a whole ministry that helps people and there are obituaries for their pets yep. in the paper, pictures, the whole thing. And so we realized that people who are grieving their pets yeah, the people whose pets are in their Christmas picture, yeah, yeah. that they need a resource too. Oh. And so it's the same format. My friend Tika Talent actually did the writing, yeah. but I helped with the editing and putting it together. Mm, but it's the same so thing. Cool. A place to remember your pet, yeah. no matter who your pet is, what kind or how long you had them. But to realize that this is a serious loss. Yeah. Well, I think that yeah. we need to be reminded that pain is pain. Exactly. You know, so when you, um, yeah, let's say you have a breakup in high school. That might be the most tremendous pain that you have dealt with up to this point, right. and it feels excruciating. Sure. Now, if you take it later on in life, you know, I look back at a breakup that I had in high school, and it's like, oh, well, that wasn't that bad compared to what I've walked through now. But I think we need to recognize that pain is pain, and that what you're experiencing in that moment, it is, it is painful, and it's valuable to God. 
Like he oh, wow, sees so your good. pain. And yeah. he and and he is with you no matter what that pain is. That is so true, and nothing is too big or too small right. for our Lord to want to step in. But I know anytime we try to compare our pain and to think, oh well, it's not as bad as your loss because yeah. this happened to you. No, yeah, you lost something very important to you—a person, your pet—and um, that it's very important. Yeah, that's and exactly that right. That if this loss, if this uh, adversity, this tragedy is important to you, it's also important to the mm. Lord, and He's going to show up. Yeah. In both the books, Davy, we really encourage people to find that time, even just early morning, to just get quiet. Yeah. Before the cares of the day start, I think a lot of times when we are grieving, we try to figure things out during the night. Mm. And I had to realize um, the Lord works third shift, and I don't have to. Yeah, that's Let good. Him handle it. You know, hand this over to Him. But when you wake in the morning, just to spend those first moments. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, YouTube has, I mean, you, you version, sorry, yeah. has tons of great resources um, to help you with that. But just, you know, get a journal and spend those first five or 10 minutes mm. letting the Lord speak to you. Just being silent if you're not familiar with how to really have time with the Lord. Yeah. But just be silent and uh, um, let the Lord speak to you. But it's amazing. It can set the tone of your day. So instead of running, forging ahead, thinking of all the things that are going to be, oh, no, have to deal with this in a week. Yeah. Then this will be in a month. And then, okay, well, when Weston goes to kindergarten, when mm. the, you know, and thinking ahead, no. Think about right now. Yeah. What we, we were given today. And I know there's some times in our life when we're one hour at a time. Yeah. That's you know, right. we're not doing a day at a time. It's like, okay, help me get to three o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Then we'll make it to four. And then right. you've made it four hours. Yep. And all of it. That's right. One thing I saw too is um, those glimmers of hope we talked about that there's going to be a day where you might not cry and that that's really okay. It's great, yeah. It's really okay. It's not in any way devaluing the person you're missing right. that you that you lost. It's part of part of the deal and there're going to be some days where you really belly laugh. Yeah. And where you're smiling again. Mm. And one of our favorite things Davy at holidays is just to tell those funny stories. Mm, that's right. Over and over. Use the person's name. Yeah. Let the kids be involved. Yeah. But the stories get bigger and better. It's funny. <laughs> like my um, become a little legendary, don't yeah, they? My <laughs> aunt Linda talks about my mom literally getting behind an ambulance in traffic wow. and driving behind the ambulance to get to the Hobby Lobby sale. And it's like, <laughs> Mom, that is awesome. But the story's gotten bigger and better over the years, that's which is great. kind of fun. Oh, that's great. Too. Yeah. Man. Well, Beth, this has been tremendous. You've got those two resources that people can they can pick up. We're gonna actually put these resources on our um, our podcast page so people can go right there to this episode right. and they can see a link to easily get access to Grief Survivor and Overcoming the Loss of a Pet. And there's another one that you have for us right here. That's, uh, this is the one that was the original. It's called A Time to Heal. A Time to Heal. A yeah. Grief Journal. Davey, this crazy little book ended up down at the Pentagon. Wow. It was nuts. Can I tell you that story yeah, about one minute? Please do. Yes. Okay. So uh, a group of us, right after, shortly after I wrote it, went up to New York very soon after mm -hmm. 9-11, just to, we took teddy bears, went to some fire stations mm. just to kind of be there wow. to offer some hope, whatever. And I was asked to go along and bring some of my brand new book that at that point was put together, I think with a stapler, it was hilarious. <laughs> so we left one copy of it and it was a total journal format, yep. a lot of scripture at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Okay. A person picked it up. All I put in there was a post office box and what else? I didn't even put a phone number. This woman sent me a postcard because, <laughs> you know, we were so scared of creepiness, yep, right? Well, yep. we're over that now. Sent me a postcard and said she wanted some more books. 
and we became friends. And I said, if you can just pray for something with me, I would just love to get some of these books down into Washington because mm. I have no connections whatsoever and would just love some to be down there. And she said, well, that's so funny. We've got this friend that works down there over at the Pentagon. That's how she described it. <laughs> um, and he's a chaplain down there. And I'm like, of course, everybody does, right? She uh, made a connection for us to get some of these grief survivor books into the Pentagon. And it was nuts because after about three weeks, we got an email and they were requesting some more. Wow. Which all that showed me, Davey, no brilliance on my part whatsoever. But just even if you're the toughest people in this country and you're the generals and you're all the things, Mm. when you're in a building that has a hole in it still and smells like fire and smoke and you've lost people that you work with... Mm. You grieve. That's right. And that none of us are too big and strong and mighty to not face the deepest levels of sorrow. But the Lord has just showed up. He has shown up um, just to get books the places they needed to be. That's so awesome. Yeah. Well, Beth, this has been a great conversation. Thank Thank you you. so much. I have loved it. Do we have one minute for me to just pray for that person? That would be, I would love that. Okay. Because I'm I'm sure that that person would love it too. Right. I'm visualizing this person that's like I was. Let's do it. In my navy blue sweats from college that Mm. are horrible, my grief uniform, Mm. in that chair all alone, not knowing what to do. And I'm just praying right now, Lord Mm. Jesus, for that person that just feels stuck. They feel like their sorrow is absolutely too big, too great for you to touch, Lord. Father, speak to them right this moment. Let them know that you really are close to the brokenhearted and that you do rescue us. That these will not, it will not always be this painful, Lord, but to send some hope, send Mm. that person, that text, that email, that call, that person to walk along beside the person who is so deeply grieving. Mm. Father, we know you don't leave us alone in that place and the plans you have for us are so good. We love you, Lord, and we just thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted, but that you do, you promise, and you will rescue us when our spirits are crushed. Mm -hmm. Father, there are going to be brighter days because we we know the end of the story. We thank you, and we pray all this in the name of your mighty and holy Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Beth. My pleasure. Thanks, David. Wow, Beth Marshall, she's got a lot of spunk. I like her. (laughs) (laughs) I know you guys do. You should hear, uh, this would be a fascinating conversation between you and Christy and Beth. You get a bunch of sevens in a room, and now, of course, you're an eight, right? But you're an eight wing seven. Yeah. So you got anybody with any kind of seven wing in a room there with Beth, you guys would just, man, chit chatty it up. It'd be a a really fun conversation. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, make sure that you guys go and follow us on Instagram because Beth's book, uh, Grief Survivor, we're going to be doing a lot of giveaways. Mel, you're over all of those giveaways. I know. How does somebody get kind of like an inside scoop on... Like, how do they get their name to the top if they want to get one of these books? You know what? If you really want this book, and you do, um, just tag everybody you know. That In this day and age, a true sign of if you're really friends with somebody is if you can tag them in a giveaway. That's so true. That's so true. My Yeah, I feel very loved when people tag me. Exactly. So <laughs> tag Anybody and everybody, you can get this book. And yeah, just make sure you follow us at um, Nothing is Wasted Ministries on Instagram. And we want to thank Sleeping at Last um, for providing the music for this podcast. 
And here's a little clip for next week's episode. Real indoctrination came one time when I was marching with my mom and her partner in a pride parade in this area of Kansas City called Westport. And we were marching in it. And at the end of the parade, there were all these quote-unquote Christians holding up signs saying, God hates you, mm. turn or burn, no room. And when people from my mom's parade would go try to talk to them, these so-called Christians would spray them with water and urine. Jeez. And I was horrified. I didn't know what to think. And so I asked my mom, I said, what is going on? What, what is, I mean, yeah. why are they doing this? And she looked at me, and I won't forget what she said. She said, Caleb, they're Christians. Christians hate gay people. If you wow. are not like them, they will not like you. And I saw this proved in uh, how my mom and her partner were treated. I saw this in her friends who were beaten up or bashed for being in same-sex relationships. I saw some of my mom's young friends, like a guy named Lewis, who uh, had the HIV virus that turned into AIDS, and he was dying. We went to go visit him. His family was in the hospital with him. And they had their big old Bibles out and they were reading them, but they wanted nothing to do with him. They didn't want to talk to him. They wouldn't touch him. They wouldn't yeah. do anything for him. They were just there. And to me, I thought to myself, I never want to be a Christian because if Christians are this bad, I can't imagine how awful Jesus must be.